0: Everyone, this is David. Welcome back. Behind the Velvet Rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only, Mr. Tom Arnold. Hey, buddy. How are you? What is going on? Welcome, welcome, welcome.
1: Well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's good to be here. I know you're a friend of uh, Leah Black, who uh, we, my son and I, uh, went out to dinner with her, her. She and her family last night. I love her. You come highly recommended from Leah Black. That's a big That's a big deal in my, my world.
0: I was just going to say that exact same thing, the power of Miss Leah Black. You know, listen, I've wanted to talk to you for a long time, Tom, I'll be honest. And I was on the phone with Leah and somehow your name came up and she's like, well, that's a no brainer. Like, you want to talk to Tom Arnold? Hold on. Give me a second. And within milliseconds, here you are. So the power of Queen Leah Black.
1: Yeah, here I am. That's how it goes. That's, she's the she's like a mob boss for things like this.
0: And I told her I was very jealous because she told me last night when we were on the phone, she was going out to dinner with you. She said, I have to go because I'm meeting Tom Arnold and his son for dinner. I'm bringing my son. She said you were going to sit outside in L.A. But I hope you guys had a great dinner last
1: night. We did. We did. Thank you. We
0: well, you have to love L.A. life. I mean, it's a far cry from where you grew up in Iowa. Yes. Well, that's my segue, Tom, for saying when you were growing up in Iowa... Did you, you know, did you always know you wanted to be an actor and a comedian? Or, you know, did you have visions of, you know, possibly doing something else with your life?
1: Well, I mean, I was involved. Uh, my grandma was involved with the Atumwa community players, which is Otumwa, Iowa. And uh, that seemed like a big deal to me. And so I, the first play I got to be in was The King and I, when I played one of the the kids. Of course, we had no... Asian people in our in our town. So I would dress you know, like an Asian kid uh, and I loved it. And I remember this moment, the woman that played Anna, the teacher, this beautiful woman from our hometown, Mrs. Bickford. At the end of the play, I had my program and I went to her and asked her to cite it. And she did, and, and then she kissed me on top of the head. And I thought, well, if that's what you get from acting, I'm all in. You were like, sign me up. Sign me up. Yeah. Because, you know, I, first of all, I wasn't raised with a mother. So I was in love with a lot of older women, you know. And, uh, and uh, but this woman, yeah, signed me up. And, you know, I, I mean, you have to be crazy to be from a tumble, Iowa, and, and go, yeah, I think I'm going to be a famous actor. I think I'm going to be a famous comedian. Um, because nobody does that, you know. And so, but I was crazy. And I did like it, and, and I went through through high school uh, involved with uh, oral interpretation, which is basically acting and, and competitions around the state, and and uh, won. And I thought, well, maybe I could do this thing, you know. But my whole goal growing up, to be honest with you, was to be on TV one time, uh, so the people in a Iowa, would like me. And it turns out you can be on TV ten thousand times, and there's people that don't like you. But I just thought, well, that I'll have made it when I do that.
0: You just don't realize that until you're on TV 10,000 times, yeah. right? You're like, wait, yeah. this person still doesn't like me. What, what's what's right. going on here?
1: Right. Yeah, quite a few people actually, but no, no. And it doesn't matter, but whatever it takes to get you, you know, I worked on, on the kill floor of a meat meatpacking plant for three years out of high school. And that's a gruesome job. It was a good job where I'm from, but I realized at a certain point that I have to get out of here. Unfortunately, I got fired. And like as, uh, as the way God works, I got fired. I went to a to a uh I was going to community college during the day and working at Hormel, the meat packing plant at night. And I thought, I miss out on the college experience. Now so community college experience is different than you know, where at the University of Iowa where I ended up because the average age of the person is like 70. And uh they're all retired and they're coming back to learn stuff. And the party's at about 7 p.m. So I called in sick. I went to a party with my buddies, and it ended at 7 p.m. And I'm like, that doesn't feel very collegey. Let's uh, go streaky. And so, we, you know, as, as people tend to do, we took off all of our clothes. We went to Mr. Quick's. This is in the winter, by the way, in December.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, nobody was there. <laughs> There's nobody in our little restaurant. So it doesn't count. And so then we went to the diner, same problem. And I said, I know where people are. I, if people are at the old folks' home uh let's go to jefferson square manor because i know all the nurses they'll think it's hilarious and it turns out they did not think it was hilarious and the police had already been called in our last place so they're waiting for us so we come busting out of there and jump into and it's three big fat naked guys so we jump in the back seat our buddy brownie is driving mo mike and i it to put our shorts on our pants and and we're rubbing butts and I'm like oh, okay we're we're busted I'm going to get out of my, hit the car and put on my underwear like a fucking human being okay and and as soon as I got out of the car the cop handcuffed me behind my back and that's how I went to jail and if you do get arrested for public nudity uh, in a small town it will be in the newspaper and you your boss at Horbell will read it and say okay you called in sick you're fired so that was really, um, you know, it was kind of devastating because my grandpa had worked there 50 years and people, you know, it was a good job, had benefits at the time. and and uh, But I had to think on my feet. And I think that's what's always been helpful to me is trying to be the best I can up here to be able to think on my feet. And I decided I'd walk 21 miles in my underwear to raise money because I was out of money for school. And. I walked from Albia, Iowa, to Ottumwa, Iowa, in the middle of winter, and uh, 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 and and I had a, I had a slogan from here to there and underwear, and it was the first time I was ever in the national choir or the New York Times about this college student who put together and I made enough money because I had sponsors,
0: wow. and
1: uh, and you know, I was like, well, that's a powerful thing, you know, you do this thing and you raise money and people film it and and uh, you know you you. You're clever a little bit. And so and that was uh, the first time I thought, well, there is something there is something outside of Ottumwa, Iowa, because uh, up until, and I almost gave up on all this because I thought, well, I'll just get married and have, you know, which I've done a lot anyway. But uh, I uh, I thought, wait a minute, how do you get from Ottumwa, Iowa to Hollywood? It doesn't make sense. I don't, and then one night I was at our disco and we had, a, when disco was popular, we had a disco called the Jailhouse Disco, which was ruined when my parents came with their friends and line danced. And that was the last time we went. But I walked outside of the, the Jailhouse Disco, and, and I saw Andy Kaufman standing there. And Andy Kaufman, brilliant comic with taxi and all these other things, but he was studying transcendental meditation 20, 20 miles down the road at Fairfield, Maharishi International University, very close to where I live. And he'd come down to wrestle women. we had a big women's wrestling event, which we're we're known to do, and I met him, and I thought, "Wait a minute, if he could get from Hollywood to a tubla, there must be a way to get from a tubla to hollywood and so i said i'm gonna, I'm gonna try it and so that's what happened
0: and you did make it to Hollywood. I did. Do you remember your early days in Hollywood, like the comedy circuit, like those lean years, like trying to break into the business, trying
1: to make it? Well, I do. In the 80s, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, the early mid 80s, I, because, but the, the lead year, you know, I, I remember going to the comedy store and seeing all, you know, meeting all these people and being able to perform with all these people. But I also remember there was nobody and I didn't mind it. I didn't mind, you know, got, driving to uh, wherever. To for twenty five bucks and do a set, or you know, at the time at the Improv, we got paid I think twelve dollars and fifty cents per set. set and the comedy store was the same. Wow. You've got to do a lot of sets to get to get uh, uh, even walking around money. But I knew this is the exciting place to be, and uh I, I you know I loved it. I just loved doing comedy. I loved it. I loved all the crap with it. I loved you know all the nonsense. And and I look back now and go, oh my god. I would drive 200 miles and sleep on somebody's couch and, and think, yeah, I'm living the dream here. It's crazy. But I think you've got to be that way. You know, when you're, when you're younger, when you're first starting something, you go, I'm all in, I'm all in for the rejection. I'm all in for all this stuff, you know, because I love this and I love the whole thing around it. And, and it takes a lot to, to, to do that. But if you love that and you're with like-minded people, other people you you know you you network and get with other people that are in your position in the business and you share information and uh and it's fun and then you drink a lot with them and have sex with them and do <laughs> drugs that there's a lot of that too in the 80s for me it was uh you know it, it's uh it, i hate to say you know i got into a lot of trouble but i had a lot of fun too i had a lot of fun
0: If there's one thing you guys know about me from listening to this podcast, it's that I like options, and I like simplicity, and I like convenience. And I have to tell you, Talkspace kind of feels like having a therapist in my back pocket. I'm able to reach out to my therapist anytime, from anywhere, and that makes taking care of my mental health super easy. I'm more relaxed when I'm traveling. You know I'm in the Hamptons all summer, so I mean, I'm on the go. And I just love knowing that if I need to talk to my therapist, I can just send a message from wherever I am, and hey, they respond. Also, I got to tell you, if you're thinking of therapy, you can sign up for Talkspace and you can actually start therapy the exact same day. Like I said, simplicity and results. It's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. As a listener of this podcast, you get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code VELVET to get $100 off your first month. That's VELVET and Talkspace.com. Well, that's what being young is all about, right? Yeah, yeah. And is this true you met Roseanne during when she came to see you
1: while you were performing uh, comedy? Yeah. In 1983, I'd moved up from iowa to minneapolis because minneapolis had five comedy clubs and it was it was a big city you know and uh i moved up there because a guy excuse me a guy came down and performed with me at the iowa student union the wheel room our place there and uh, i opened up for these real comedians from minneapolis and what would happen is all my buddies would come in you know first of all we drink everclear punch which is everclear and powdered gatorade 50 of my friends would come in watch me And then we'd all get up and go partying, and there'd be nobody to watch the real comedians. So the guy that owned a guy that owned the comedy cabaret in Minneapolis, Scott Novotny, he said to me, if you get your friends to stay for the real comedians next time we're here next month, I'll give you a job in Minneapolis doing comedy. I'm like, Oh hell yeah, I am in!" And so we did that. And then I got on a bus with a trash bag full of clothes and a hundred bucks. And I, I took the bus to Minneapolis and I went to the comedy uh, uh ga- the, the comedy whatever it was and knocked on the door. I said, I'm here, I don't have a car or a driver's license. And uh I, I saw and I have a hundred bucks, so I gotta stay somewhere cheap. I need an apartment cheap. And he's like, Why whoa 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 I said you could have a job, I meant one weekend for seventeen dollars and fifty cents. I'm like, shit, i c I'm out of i I'm I moved here. And so I went to the. There was a bar there, a famous, really cool bar called Williams Pub. And I walked down there, and they were looking for a bouncer, and they were looking for barback, you know. The, and uh, and I immediately got that job. And one of the waitresses was looking for a roommate, and uh, and then I just I just stayed in there and stayed in there, and I sold, I sold sandwiches, I did whatever to facilitate getting to stages on night. A night after a couple of years I was able to you know support myself doing that but when I first moved there one of the first things that happened the guy that that owned one of the other clubs really liked me uh <laughs> I tortured him though he weighed 700 pounds and uh he would he would get on stage he'd be the MC and then he'd leave the stage and I'd grab the curtain and go Scott you forgot your pants and uh but he'd say please don't do that my wife's here and uh but like she doesn't know but but he was very, but he called, Scott, Scott Hansen said, listen, this woman I saw in Denver, she's coming to town, you guys are going to hit it off, so I want you guys to work together this weekend, and we really did hit it off. She was, Rosanna, so funny, I'd had to see the, you know, a, a mom, a, you know, be that funny and that, you know, and the best part of all, she thought I was funny, and as you know, we know we're good looking. But if someone says we're funny, then they got us. And so we, that first weekend, we just, we tore it up. We tore it up on stage, but we tore it up. We went, we borrowed, there's a woman named Liz Winstead who, who started uh, the Daily Show, the the, the show that uh, uh, is on Comedy Central. She started, she's great. She's great. She's a comedian. She was the emcee and, and we borrowed her car and never brought it back. And, uh, you know, she—it's very. But we hit it off, and then I started writing. She said, "Write jokes for me," and and uh, let's do this. I started writing jokes I'd never written for other people before. But her character was so well defined; it was it was easy. And um and then she said, "I'm going to go on Johnny Carson. Write jo- can you write some jokes?" And I did. I watched her with my friends back in Minneapolis. My friend Roseanne was on Johnny Carson. This is 1985, and she killed it. You know she killed it. And it was so, it was cool. It was also cool to think, oh, I could write for someone and then they could do, you know, and, and so in, in 87 or 86, I went out to play Roseanne's husband on a HBO special, which was it turned out to be a weird thing. And, uh, uh, you know, not, it was great. And then in 1988, at the end of 87, they're putting together her TV show and she wanted me to write it. So in, in, uh, January of 88, I went out there, To write and uh on the show and you know there you go um i mean there's a million other things first of all after the pilot there was a writer strike so i had to go back to doing those little you know uh drive it all over for the little gigs around everybody kind of did
0: a life of Uh, a comic right
1: yeah yeah but i will say this about the writing of because i didn't know that roseanne liked me liked me you know I knew that she was going through a bad uh, uh, divorce stuff. And I really loved that she had kids. You know, I was like, this is a mom. You know, I grew up without a mom. I was like, this is a mom. I really dig how she does this. And she's out there. She's killing it. She's tough. And so I wrote a lot of jokes, uh, you know, back in the day that were uh, fat jokes, as we call them. And they are funny. And then at one point when I moved out to LA, she's like, I had a list of jokes <laughs> and she used to do a lot of fat jokes but, and I go, here's the jokes. She's like, yeah, can you cut the fat jokes in half? Like, um, and, uh, and I realize that's, I found out later. She said that cause she liked me. And, uh, but man, she had, you know, she had so many great jokes, but then, but you know, then she's like, yeah, this is not, <laughs> our relationship has changed in a, you know, uh, a little bit, but it was a great opportunity. I got to work with great people Uh, the second year uh, because people knew that Roseanne and I had been dating. By the way, I moved to to LA with my fiance from White Bear Lake, Minnesota, who Roseanne knew. And because you're moving out there. And and of course that didn't work out. And then Roseanne said in 89, Hey, listen, nobody likes either one of us. We should get married. And I was like, that's a great idea. And so, you know, it was great fun. It was great fun. There's a lot of great, you know, Great creative things, great fun.
0: It seems like you guys like had very similar personalities. You got along, similar personalities. But you mentioned this thing about being a mom. Like that was really one of the things. Like the fact that was Rose, that Roseanne was a mom. That was one of the things that really attracted you to her.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, that she kept it together. She was a mother. You know, she had a great relationship with her kids. You know, and you know, and then she was out there just killing it doing comedy. She was so freaking funny, and her material was so good, and she was fearless and um you know I, I that was a big turn on for me you know i, I mean i one time she was performing in at atlantic city at the miss usa contest at during the same time and she came out on stage in a bikini with uh, miss whatever on it like that takes some balls like that takes that is about the funniest shit ever to me and so i really you know uh we both i think i think at that time we both probably needed each other it was uh you know because she'd never met a guy like me like i came for the beat package. like i had her back no matter against who no matter what what and especially when the show started and they kind of messed with her i just didn't have the finesse to and i would say uh it's her show whatever she wants and she's she's very good and so if you're going to argue with me or her it's going to be a problem like for you. Like physically it's going to be and people were kind of terrified but eventually I learned to be that that the way to work with uh, folks like that is bring in half of my buddy half of people I do comics trained in to be writers norm macdonald people like that people that I lived with and then get another executive producer that I ex- that respect who will bring in guys the other half of the, of the writing team would be old, old uh, how people with uh, you know experience in hollywood and we meld them together. And and that's really what, what was the success of the show was, you know, these great writers uh, melding together. Because you could teach a like, comic like Norm MacDonald, guys like that. Uh, there, were, there were so many great writers who have gone on to huge things. But if you're a comic, you know, uh, you just know that person is funny. You can tell who's the funny comics, who has a different point of view. And it's easy to teach someone to write a script because there's just a form, you know first act whatever whatever credit tag and so I could do that but they had to be funny first they had to have a different skew and then we all had to come to agree with okay these characters are very developed on the Roseanne show we know who Roseanne is we know who dad is Jackie but we got to keep fresh material coming for them and so yeah, people did a good you know it was a good experience
0: Did you get pushback from like other people working on the show, like the actors and actresses, you know, you were with Roseanne, you were dating her, you know, did people say, well, here he is, you know, he has a part on the show now, not just a writer, you know, you know, that's favoritism, you know, well, that's nepotism. That's like, look at that. Like, did you get a lot of pushback, you know, with this, was there this perception, you know, you can't touch Tom because he's you know dating the boss. I,
1: I, you know, I did it. There was a lot of, uh, you know, especially when I first got involved, people going to Rosetta going, oh, this is a bad idea. This is, you know, but to her credit, man, she was, she had my back. And then, so of course I was going to have her back. There's just no, you know, there's no, uh, you know, so, and I appreciate that. Originally she said, I want you to play my husband on the show, the John Gibbon and So I was like, oh, I don't know if I could, uh, if I could act. But so I went out and met with Carsey Warner, the producers, who played a husband, it was, Roseanne went with me, but it was, you know, I really wanted to be a writer and John Goodman is so great. And I was not. And so, you know, everything turned out for the best and, uh, but they did mess with her so much. She didn't get created by credit on the show called Roseanne. that's about her life. And, and, you know, from that point on, it was, you know, there was no, <laughs> you know, she was on it. And uh, we certainly, uh, I certainly had her back on it. And, And it was also a lot of fun, so.
0: What about, do you have like highs and lows of memories? Like you said, like John Goodman is so talented. Sarah Gilbert is so talented. Laurie Metcalf is so talented. Just like from like being on set and being around all of that, you know, like the early days, you know, of you being on set of Roseanne, like do you have highs and lows, like from that whole experience?
1: Well, when we did the pilot, we all went out, John and Roseanne, uh, were in the front seat and me and Lori were in the back seat and we went out and got it uh, got wasted and went to see a comedy club or whatever and and uh, I looked in the front seat and uh, John and uh, Roseanne were snuggling and so Lori Metcalf's in the back seat I like Lori Metcalf I I love her and so you know we snuggled and then the next day Roseanne called me uh, said oh you come down to my office." She said, "Listen." I saw you and Lori uh in the back, and I don't know if you were holding hands or whatever. I go, oh, yeah, 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 that's a great night. She goes, no, no, here's the thing. Writers can't date actors. It's a rule of Hollywood. And I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't even know. Oh, that's a rule of, okay, I won't do that anymore. I didn't, She's, I'm just learning the rules here. And <laughs> the reason is because she, you know, she liked me. There's a lot of things I have to say. She did that. She stabbed me because she liked me, but... That was very funny because I was very naive, too. And I'm like, oh, that's a rule. Yeah, that it, it does make sense that that's a rule. But uh, but there was a reason that, uh, you know, she just... Um, and every everybody ended up with the people they're supposed to end up with. That's for sure.
0: Look at Roseanne having game. Like, that's a great line, right? And you believed yeah. her because you were naive.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a rule of Hollywood. I'm sorry. I don't even... I don't know all the rules yet, so... But, you know, it, 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 it certainly, our relationship, you know, it was very exciting to be, and I remember the first time that Roseanne called and said, oh my God, I'm in the National Enquirer. This is in the, I think before I moved out there, she's like, oh, this is so exciting. This is what I always wanted to do. And it was exciting for us, but I think there was a point where we had uh, so much access to whatever media that we could call the news and they'd put us on and shit like that. And I think that what happened with the marriage is, you know, some marriages burned fast and furious. That's it for some relationships, just, you know, and because and, 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 we'd had a long relationship as friends and and, uh, and then we went to the be a couple for about five years. And, you know, it, 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 the stuff on the outside, the, the, the publicity, the press stuff, the other people, you know it was fun to fight that and to be you know to enjoy that and and i think that it got to a point where it was became the the most significant part of our relationship like that outside stuff became more important than you know the the day-to-day stuff with us and i think we both would uh, agree with that and uh, I don't know, she, might not, she might not agree with anything i say i'm pretty sure that's true but but i uh you know, and then it was time to go. It, we both had done everything we could do in the marriage, and it was time to uh, to move on.
0: Do you think, like you said, like everyone ends up, you know, with who they are supposed to be with in the end? Or do you think, you know, it could have lasted longer if there wasn't all this outside, you know, media scrutiny?
1: Well, I certainly got married to be married forever to this person and uh you know it was my first of many marriages but i certainly went in with those attentions. i'm sure roseanne did too you know i i got to be a stepfather and i i like that and we tried to have a baby you know we had a problem with the in vitro and she had her tubes reversed and then we tried which is very stressful i have to tell you uh on any uh relationship tried going through that trying to do that um you know, I'm very grateful that she had a baby with the next guy right away, the normal way, <laughs> because you always worry you hurt you ruin somebody's body because of all the hormones and stuff. But I think that um, I, I think things were, you know, it, could we have, have gone through and, and uh, put our heads down and done better, I'm sure. But um, I, I sense that that's just kind of for her to leave her marriage she needed to have me. And then, and then when, when we broke up, she had the bodyguard guy who I'd hired. And I was relieved. I have to tell you, I went to, uh, we, she filed for divorce. It was a crazy filing that she did and accused me of all kinds of nefarious and awful things. And then a week later, she took it all back and said her lawyer made her do it. And so we tried to reconcile. We tried to spend time together. We went to Iowa to our farm and and uh, we planned to go to Sardinia for that summer, the summer of 1994. And uh, I had to finish my show. I had a show on CBS, and I already shut it down for a week, which meant hundreds of thousands of dollars I had to pay people. I said I need to finish this show because I need to give it the best chance it can to maybe come back. There's a lot of people to work on this show. I had a hundred some people, and so she uh, was not happy. But she flew to Sardinia. A couple weeks uh, ahead, and I, uh, a guy named uh, Alan Smith, who I remember uh, for the National Choir called, said, Ben, the bodyguard, and Roseanne are walking around uh, Sardinia uh, in Italy, holy hands. And I was like, oh, I got to see that. So I get my brother. I call my uh, brother Chris. He comes up. I go, we're going to Sardinia. Because I want to see it for my eyes, because that's what I needed to see. So we flew over there, and of course the guy knew we were coming, and people knew we were, uh, and we landed robe, Rome, and we get one one uh, off-duty uh, police captain, you know, somebody with a gun. <laughs> I, guess we, I don't know what's going to happen when we get to Sardinia, and we land there, and as soon as we pull out of the airport, our car is surrounded by a bunch of cars and guys with Uzis, and there's like, she wants to talk to you. I was going to go to the hotel and relax a little bit before this confrontation, because it was, the villa that we rented was overlooking the ocean uh, uh, way up high, very beautiful, kind of windy. So I'm like, okay, it's on. So we went up there, and you can see pictures of this. I think Liz Smith or somebody printed these pictures from afar, somebody shooting at the – but she, we kind of had it out. I was like, hey, are you in bed? Okay. You know, and she's like – You can no, say but it I, she, Yeah, but, but she put her head down, though. No. And I knew they weren't. And I was so – I got to tell you something, I swear to you – so relieved, because I'm like, she has somebody, good, because I don't trust me, I'll keep going back, and so Ben, Ben's a big six foot four guy that I'd sent to Mossad bodyguard school, unfortunately, but I had to make a move on Ben, and he, and he, and you know, I'm a big guy too, by the way, and he was, he was actually scared, but you know, you got all these guys with guns, so I get out of there, and I tell, uh, we, my brother and I, we go back to our, our place, it's very nice, and we're you know i'm very relieved and the cop that was with us was like that's no good you know in our culture you know the woman does not uh cheat on the man and the or especially the man you know him what what about him and i said uh, uh i got my brother's very orderly. <laughs> he's like so what would you do what could you do for money and he goes well we'll take him when they land in rome to go back to usa well will plant drugs on him, and he'll be in prison in Italy forever. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, but no, see that will work." Because then I would go back with her, if that guy said And uh, and then my brother's like, "What would you do for ten thousand dollars?" And so when they landed, because I I said, "Don't touch Roseanne. but we have pictures of this too. When they went from Sardinia to Rome to fly back, um eight cops came down and just tackled him (laughs) and they did the full cavity search to whatever. They missed their flight, pulled all their shit out. They had a huge argument, which, you know, um, and, uh, and I thought, well, that's, that's something. Cause you know, you gotta, that's that's something, you know, he is sleeping with my wife. So that's something. And, you know, he worked at a donut shop when I met, but I was very happy for them. In the you know they had a kid that that Roseanne told me later is a big Tom Arnold fan so that and I think I met him at her roast the only other time was Cedar since 1994 except in court so yeah so I thought well I've done my did 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 she know that.
0: You know, you were the one behind this whole, like, tackle at the airport, like, plant these drugs, et cetera, et cetera. Did, did she ever know that that was that, that was you behind it?
1: Yeah, I'm sure she does.
0: And you think you might have kept going back and forth, like, off and on, off and on, if there wasn't this bodyguard guy?
1: We broke up <laughs> the first filing that just accused me of abusing her and all this crazy shit. And then she call, had to go public and say, I, I, it's just not true. Like, it's, uh, and then people are like, what is, and then, uh, then I went to have this scene in Sardinia and Rome. And then True Lies came out in July of uh, 1994. And she called me and says, I really feel like I'm a part of that. Um, I, I think we should get back together. And I did feel like, listen, man, she's helped me so much. I mean, she didn't get me the the audition or whatever for true lies but she has certainly helped me in many many ways and now she was asking me to uh help her and uh by you know i said i'll tell you oh, let's meet at our therapists and see if we can be friends first and and she'd done a lot of very shitty things to me you know like she tried to end my career she you know she just did went so far out of her way to do shitty stuff. And uh, even in True Lies, I have a line about, you know, uh, about my ex wife, t- t- taking all the ice cube trays out of the freezer. What kind of a sick bitch takes the ice cube trays out of the freezer? But it was little things like that constantly, you know, just messing with me, messing with, you know. Uh, but I said, let's go down and see if we can be uh, friends. And uh, it just, it, it the therapist said, you have to apologize to Tom because of this or whatever. And she goes, I just, it's just too much. And that was really the last time that we, you know, uh, really saw each other. And, uh, you know, what? I made, always made it clear that I appreciate her. You know, there you know—there comes a certain point where people are, uh, are fucking with you and putting you down and do it, where the appreciation you have you know you're grateful for things but then the the other part of them is is becomes greater than than their good deeds and that's that's really something that that happened i tried to you know reasonably do the high road um you know um but you know i i'm not i'm certainly i certain, i've certainly made some mistakes myself
0: What's like the sickest thing she did to you? Like as you said, she took ice cube trays out of the freezer.
1: Well, no, that was uh we were filming. That, that really happened. She would send people into the house. We are separated. You know, we we're filming True Lies. Filming True lives, and they'd steal all the remote controls out of all the fucking TV remote controls. The batteries, they steal all of them throughout the whole house. And I'd get home from work and be like, "What the fuck, this cat? Are you fucking shitting me?" But Arnold Schwarzenegger and I. We're doing this health shake thing, and you know the first right before we started the movie, uh, Jim Cameron, James Cameron's like, "Hey, do you want to work out with Arnold Schwarzenegger?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I think I would like to work out with the greatest bodybuilder that ever lived." He's like, "I'm sending him to your house." I go, "Oh shit!" So he came over the first day, and uh, and I opened the door, and I see him standing there. I'm like, "Shit, Arnold! I forgot you were coming." everyone I've ever met is here. Guys, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's working out with me in my unused home gym. So we did it. And, uh, and and then that night, Jim Cameron called and said, what time should he be back tomorrow? Because, you know, he's trying to bond us up. I said, he should not come back tomorrow. And he, he says, why? I go, well, number one, I could say that I worked out with Arnold Schwarzenegger because we did it. But it's too much pressure because he does this thing. He's so good at working out and the body and knowing what's what. He More than anyone in the world He really is about fitness and this and that. He's the guy. And he does this thing where he looks at you and has to compliment one part of your body. And then he's like, you know, Tom, you have fantastic left shin. And then he starts in on your trouble spots. I got a lot of fucking trouble spots, dude. I don't need to hear from him. And so the whole movie, uh, after our trailers were beside each other. Then the other side of Arnold's trailer was a semi-truck that was retrofitted into a gym. And when we filmed in LA... There was a uh, a uh, Ben & Jerry's about the same distance from my trailer, so every night after work we'd say goodbye. I'd go to Ben & Jerry's, he'd go work out in the gym, and uh, uh, and but I did start a shake thing with him where we we took you know you had to have hundreds of ice cubes because I had to have one in the morning. I had to blend to put them in these kind of frozen things, and and therm in these big super sized I bring him to work. There was vegetables, fruit. Some kind of powder. And I had, you know, I had an ice machine wouldn't be enough. And so I had maybe 40 ice cube trays that the free. So I come in every morning, bah, 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 and I, wa- I walked in one morning, and they were gone. And and I, I was like, oh, that's what they did to me last night. That's the shit. And I was so pissed off. And, I, I told, and when I got to the side, I said to Cameron and Arnold, I go, what the fuck? You won't believe it. What kind of a sick bitch takes the fucking ice cube trays out of the freezer? And the gym camera's like, say that today in this scene with Arnold on the street here. <laughs> so, But it was very real. Very real. Who thinks of stuff like that? That little weird stuff. You know, I think big. I think macro. I'm going to burn your house down. That's how I think. But no.
0: I don't know. Taking all the batteries out of the remotes, That's that's a pretty good one. I have to hand it to Roseanne
1: there. Yeah, it is. But also, not only that, I knew they were out at a certain point. I still tried to make the remote work. God damn it. What if there's this...
0: Right? It drives you crazy. You're home, you're ready to relax, you're chilling out, you're pressing the remote, it's not working. What about, well, I mean, like, you've certainly gone on, you know, you've been in so many movies and so many TV shows, like, and you certainly earned your career. I mean, you have a career in Hollywood, but, you know, back then, in the beginning, there certainly was this perception you know, and like, I don't want to overstate it, but I mean, like, I remember there was this perception, you know, that Ros- Roseanne, you know, handed you, said, here, handed you a career,
1: like, here's your career. I mean, am I overstating that?
0: I mean, is that, like, do you it's think... It's true,
1: it's true, but It's true. You know, I was 23 when I met Roseanne, and she was 30, and she was, you know, she always was ahead of me in a career. I, and I never felt like, you know, because I remember people writing or asking, is it feel weird that your wife is so successful and I was like no it feels great it feels great to have a a wife that makes a million dollars a week I wish I had that today and she also was a little older than me and it started before me but there was never any and I never understand how this happens in a real relationship where that people let that competition now it's good to have some competition I think when Chris Farney was alive he and I both had were competitive with each other a little bit. We loved each other. He was my best man, but we also were like, "Oh, you got this movie for how much?" "Oh, well, I'm going to do," you know. And it's good to have that healthy competition because otherwise, you could you could sit on your ass all the time. And and so, but I, I think that the 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 best part to me of the of the relationship with Roseanne was that she was so happy to see me all the time. She definitely enjoyed me, and that feeling—part of it's probably growing up without a mother. I'm sure if you looked into it, but she would be so excited, and it was genuine. And uh, and you know, I think I was hard to maintain, but you know, we also within our time, friendship, uh, relationship, we had a lot of intimate, a lot of stuff that we. That the just the two of us, it could have only happened with the two of us, you know. uh, I mean, she loved me to impersonate her bedtime, and I'm talking just uh, not the 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 kind impersonation, but just how fucking rude she was, you know. She would have done something that day, and I get to the bottom of bed, I start doing her, and she loved it. She'd laugh till she cried, and you know, I highly recommend getting with someone. That that makes you laugh until you cry, and you do the same for them.
0: Well, I'm a gay man, and I too would like a wife that makes a million dollars a year. So let me just put that out, you know, there into the universe today. Yeah, you know, yeah,
1: uh, I- I'd like a husband that <laughs> makes a million dollars a year. Listen, I've been married to four women. Something isn't going right, you know do you think this would still
0: be a big deal today? You know, I mean, if you and Roseanne came together in 2022, you know, very, very, you know, wealthy woman, you know, a man that may not be as wealthy at the time, you know, it was was that a sign of the times? You know, if you guys came together now, you know, and you were with a much more successful, you know, woman, like, as you say that makes a million dollars a week, you know, would that be such a big deal today? Like, have we come far? Or is there the same, you know, is there the same... Would there be the same reaction in Hollywood and media frenzy today, do you think?
1: You mean like Beyonce and Jay-Z? That's kind of how we were. (laughs) No, I'll tell you something about Roseanne, too. She was, she did not look like the people on TV. She was a big woman. And she looked like the people I grew up with, the people in my family, and the people in the Midwest. She looked like real people. And she did not, you know, she, she owned it. And so, you know, it it was funny because if you read back some of the articles, they're like, this guy is a, uh, uh, what what is the word, her young, her hot, young, you know, I was never hot or young. And people tried to write it that way. Like, look at this guy. So good looking. (laughs) Just just a couple of people did that. And, uh, but you know, we looked like we were a couple. We look like you're supposed to look when you're a couple. That's how they look, and we loved eating. In fact, on our honeymoon, we went to Cabo San Lucas, which we private resort, and there was somebody else close to our cabana, and they complained because we were eating too loud. I swear to God, you could Google that. But we had, you know, I mean, yeah, I think I wouldn't want to do it. You know, uh, I mean, I'm very grateful. Everything went the way it did. Uh, I wouldn't want to do it uh, again, like go into something. I do need to have a relationship eventually. I haven't had a date in over three years, but you know, and I do, there are some, some women that, that uh, you know, are age appropriate that, that I see. Sometimes I do these autograph things. I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah what you know there's several that i've become pals with and i'm like yeah let's you know let's do that but you know it's also you know uh when you meet you know i was uh up at cvs talking to a school teacher <laughs> that's a, the, how far my dating goes i go up to cvs and you know age appropriate and i kind of start getting a feeling like hey this is that tickle a little bit and uh um but but I thought it, it, you know it, it, there's always a, a beat to go you know I just had our next door neighbor where the kids and I moved here to to Sherman Oaks come over and say oh uh, and we've lived here since June first I brought me a, a thing of treats and said I've been meaning to come over and uh, I just wanted to say uh, welcome to the neighborhood I go, oh God that's so nice of you and stuff and she goes and you are. I go, I'm Tom Arnold. She goes, I got that. Okay. (laughs) And I thought, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, first of all, you never know what people think about you. So the dating thing, which I never did, I'm sure you dated. I never did. I went, I had four engagements up until the time I moved to LA and then four marriages. And in between those, there was a brief period of dating, like five dates in one week and i always felt i was cheating on that person so i thought i gotta get locked into a marriage with a solid person solid adult person that has my back we don't always get along we could you know we don't break the big rules but but has my back and i just i'm it it probably i have more to work on with myself um i will say this i have married uh i have performed four marriages uh uh all gay marriages and they're all still married and i have been married four times i've been in four marriages and none of them are working so my brother and his husband have been together 15 years wow <laughs> and that's uh you know i i see that you know as a as adults go there yeah, this is a commitment like this is a thing you know, because I think for a long time people grew up like, oh, I have to get married to, I have to find a woman or a man and we have to do this thing. I think people, I think people are more thoughtful now. And I can't, you know, because my kids are eight and six. I'm a single dad. I'm 62. So there's that. Like, first of all, people are not like, oh, I'm looking for a 62-year-old. Guy. <laughs> but there's also, I don't, to bring people around my kids. Right. You know, but it has to happen sometime. I'm always looking at the moms at school that have kids the same age that are the single moms. You know, they're usually a lot younger than me, but what you do and I set up some play dates and, and talk filthy with some of the moms because they're, you know, it seems like they're in a really nice school. seems like they'd be, but they're filthier than I could ever be. And it's really funny, but you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, Uh, It's not my number one. I'm taking it a day at a time, man. I live my life a day at a time. Is that your go-to move, a play date for the kids? Yeah. Well, that's the easiest one. I like that. Then the kids are doing something. You know, in my mind, this is bad. But but to get off the schneid, to break the streak, what needs to happen is the kids come, they're playing outside, you know, got someone kind of observing. We run in my bedroom hook up because she wants to do that done. And, uh, but that's, you know, that's how my mind goes. Like where, where let's get into a closet here. And I do recommend that in relationships. If you don't have sex with your, your mate, fucking you get resentful, you get jealous, whatever. And every week or two weeks, or whatever, you just have to go into a closet and do some kind of sex, get it over. It's not gonna be perfect, but just do it with that person, the one person you have sex with, do something. And then you're like, okay, okay, you know, chill.
0: Guys, when you're in need and it's been a while, just do sex, according to Tom Arnold. See, this is why we love Tom Arnold. I mean, actually just do sex in a closet, right? I can't disagree with that, actually, if you really want my honest opinion. Okay, so here's the thing. Thank you for listening to part one of this epic chat with Tom Arnold. Part two is coming soon, and we are going to talk about who Tom Arnold wants in Hollywood. And let me tell you, his answers are not what you expect. Listen, I think he likes older women. I think he likes cougars. I'm just saying. I mean, here's the deal. We also talk about the whole Roseanne reboot. Was he asked? How does he feel about being asked or not being asked? When was the last time he talked to Roseanne? What happened when Roseanne sent the tweets? How was Tom involved in the tweets? We then talk about how he is involved with the pool boy Jerry Falwell scandal. He is involved with that. We talk about that. We also talk about he has a past, I don't know if past is the right word, but he's got some connections to everyone's favorite Kelly Dodd. I'm being sarcastic. You guys raked me over the coals when I had Kelly Dodd on the show. I'll still have her back, though. You know what I'm saying? That's what I do here. But he also has some uh, connections to Miss NeNe Leake. So crazy NeNe Leake story and crazy Kelly Dodd story coming soon and more about Roseanne when our chat with Tom Arnold continues